0: My name is Josh. Uh, if you don't know me, I'm the student in training for ministry here at this church. Uh, it's a privilege to bring you today's um, passage. So would you open your Bibles and read with me from Ephesians chapter 2, uh, starting from verse 11. And I'll be reading from the New International Version. So Ephesians chapter 2 from verse 11. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenant of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ... opportunity and privilege to come and sit under your word. Lord, I pray that as we look at your word, that you'll speak to us, that you'll challenge us and help us to love Jesus, to live for the gospel in our world today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, we all know what it feels like to belong. And we all know what it feels like to not belong, to be excluded, to be not part of of the in group. Now I need to confess to you a part of my life that not many of you know about. So I was born in Malaysia and we moved to Brisbane when I was eight. But some time in between this, just for a short time, about six years, I actually lived next door, the home of the Bledisloe Cup, the land of the long white cloud, the short end of anything and everything about sheep. Hopefully, we can still be friends after this. But yes, I did live in New Zealand. And after moving to Australia for about a year or two, I really felt like I didn't belong. I was on the end of jokes of how to say fush and chops. I was told by my teachers that pronouncing answers like answers was bad English. Then all my friends would ask, How is it to live where there's more sheep than people? I'd wear T-shirts in winter while everyone was freezing cold. And I thought footy was union, and I still can't believe AFL is a sport. Being a Kiwi in Australia, for a time, I didn't feel like I belonged. But on a more serious note, we all want to belong. And we all know what it feels like to not belong, to be excluded, to be left out. When there's a party, an event, a gathering that you weren't invited to. When there's a conversation, an in-group that you're not part of. When you're in a crowd of people gathered, yet you feel all alone. We all know that feeling, that hurt of not belonging. Well, imagine if God said to you that you don't belong, that your route. How would you feel? Well, we don't have to imagine too much because that's what today's passage is on about. At one time, we didn't belong. Last week, we saw how we were so far away from God. We were dead. We were under God's wrath, and yet God made us alive in Christ. Today, we're going to see how we didn't belong to God's people How and how In Christ Jesus, we are now part of his people. God has made us one people in Christ. So if we have a look again at the passage, the very first thing Paul says is remember, verse 11, therefore remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called the uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision. The word Gentile was this term that was coined by the Jews for anyone who wasn't a Jew. So if you're not a Jew, and I know that I'm not, and you're reading these verses, that's, that's you, Gentile. And in the first century, Jews and Gentiles, they didn't really get along. It's not like Queensland and New South Wales. It's not like Australia and New Zealand. There was real hostility between these two groups. You can see these in Jewish quotes about Gentiles around this time. One Jew says that the Gentiles were created by God to be fuel for the fires of hell. Not a great picture, huh? It wasn't even lawful to give uh, help to a Gentile mother in her hour of greatest need. He says that until Christ came, Gentiles were an object of contempt for the Jews. The barrier between them was absolute. Whenever a a Jew interacted unnecessarily with a Gentile, that signaled the Jew's funeral. There was a serious rift between these two groups. And a lot of this was because the Jews, they prided themselves as the chosen nation. It got to their head. They didn't really understand what it meant to be part of God's chosen people. You see, the Jews had three physical badges to set themselves apart. We had to learn them at college. First, they honored the Sabbath. Second, they abided by the food laws. And the third, it's mentioned here, circumcision. Circumcision was a sign separating God's people from the rest. So being called the uncircumcision, an attractive title, shows that the Gentiles, they were separate. They were different for the Jews. They were excluded from God's people. If you look at history, until just before Christ, the Gentiles were outside. We were outside. We just didn't belong. Paul goes on again in verse 12. He says, remember. He goes on to list five realities of how the Gentiles, they didn't belong to God's people. One, they were separate from Christ. They had no Messiah. They weren't looking forward to a Savior. Two, they were excluded from the citizenship of Israel. They were outside of God's chosen people, outside of God's kingdom. Three, they were foreigners to the covenant of the promise. God's promises in the Old Testament, they didn't directly apply to the Gentiles. And finally, the two climaxes. They were without hope, no hope of salvation, no hope of life. And they were without God, no relationship with the Creator God. Paul wants us to remember this was the reality for Gentiles before Christ. This was our reality before Christ. Just like last week, to really understand, to really, really get what Christ has done for us, we need to know what we were like before Christ. We didn't belong. We had no hope. We were without God. But as we read on in verse 13, we find these great words. Have a look. But now in Christ Jesus, a dramatic, a drastic change has happened And it's because of Jesus. Verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, through the work of Jesus, you who were once far away, our past reality, we've been brought near by the blood of Christ. The phrase here, brought near, it refers to the vertical dimension, us and God. But here it's more also about the horizontal dimension, between each other, we've been brought near to each other. Verse 14, for he himself is our peace. Again, referring to the peace between us and God, but also, more importantly here, the peace with each other. What has Jesus done? He's made the two groups one, he's destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. Jesus is our peace. Through the cross, verse 16 if you read, Jesus has destroyed the war separating the two groups, which was the law and its commands and its regulations. These were the circumcision laws, the food laws, the ceremonial laws, the whole mosaic law, which divided the Jews and the Gentiles. It was fulfilled, it was Set aside, it was classed as not applicable by Jesus on the cross. Jesus has broken down the walls between Jew and Gentile. So the two groups, they have peace and they're made one. In fact, Jesus does more than simply make the two one. It's not that Gentiles can now become Jews or that Jews can now become Gentiles. It's not a fusing of the two groups. As we read on, Jesus creates a new humanity out of the two, verse 15b. What does this mean? It means that both Jew and Gentile, they're reconciled to God in the same way, verse 16. In the past, Jews were reconciled to God temporarily by the law and the ongoing sacrifices, and the Gentiles, they weren't reconciled to God at all. So now, in this new humanity, Jews and Gentiles, they're saved the same way, through the cross. This new humanity also means, if we see verse 18, that both Jews and Gentiles, they have access to God in the same way, through the Holy Spirit. This is the new humanity that Jesus establishes. It's what it means to say that Christ is our peace, Jew, Gentile, Aussie, American, Asian, African. We're all saved the same way. We all come to God in the same way. This is the gospel that Jesus continues to teach by his spirit through the apostles as we read in Acts, and he's teaching it to this very day. God's included me. He's included you. All the Christians around the world, Jew, Gentile, anyone who's saved through Jesus. He's included them as his people. God has made us one in Christ. Now this truth, it's supposed to change our lives completely. I remember when I became a citizen uh, in Australia, January 26, the year 2000. Did it change my life? Well, I'm able to legitimately say that I'm a an Aussie and not a Kiwi. And I'm able to tick the box that says I'm an Australian citizen. I can even recite the second verse of our national anthem. And when people laugh at me for being Kiwi or Asian, I can tell them that actually, mate, I'm an Aussie. Maybe it didn't change my life that much, but belonging to God's people, this should really change us. Paul goes on in verse 19, he says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people. We didn't belong, but now we belong. We were excluded, but now we're in. We were divided, but now we're one. Here, Paul uses three images to show what it means to be one people in Christ. And the first is that we're citizens with God's people. We're in the kingdom of God and we're sharing with the saints, we're part. We're counted in, as God's people. How far have we come from verses 11 and 12? We who had no hope, we who were with without God, and now we're with God. The second is that we're family. We're all members of one household, one family. We're close, we're intimate, both with God and with each other. It doesn't matter if we're Jew or Gentile. We're more like Kiwis. We're all bros and sisters in Christ. I'm your brother. Look to your left and to your right. This odd bunch, take a deep breath. They're your brothers and sisters in Christ. The last image here is of a temple or a building. In ancient buildings, uh, the cornerstone was a stone that was cut out perfectly and laid out absolutely perfect. The stone was a VIS, a very important stone. It was the first stone laid in the foundation, and it laid out the whole grid of the building. In fact, this stone, it dictated the entire shape and the direction and the growth of the building. And that's why Jesus is called the cornerstone. It's a metaphor. He holds the building together. He directs its growth. Unless the building is constantly focused on Christ, growing in Christ and shaped by Christ, church unity will crumble and growth will cease. The foundation where the New Testament, uh, they were the New Testament apostles and the prophets. These guys, they were teaching Christ and they're pointing back to Christ as the chief cornerstone. So, what's our role in this temple or building? Remember once we were far away. We Gentiles weren't even allowed into the temple. Well, now we're part of the temple, along with the Jews. Look at this together language, verse 21. The whole building is being joined together to become a holy temple. Verse 22. You two are being built together to become essentially a temple. The church, the new humanity, the one people in Christ. We're the temple. We're becoming the temple. The work is ongoing, and the Gentiles, they're invited. And as we show that Christ is our peace, that we are one people in Christ, we see the church, we see God's people as God's temple. As we show this togetherness, as we worship together, as we're living sacrifices together, As our relationship with God and with each other is restored, we become God's temple, individually but also corporately. The whole idea of the temple in the Old Testament, God with us, it's now a reality. We Gentiles who were once far away, together with the Jews, and it's all because of Christ. It's all through the gospel. God has made us one people in Christ. We didn't belong, but now through Jesus, we do belong. Well, what does all this mean for us? My first challenge today is that we need to take down any walls of hostility that separate us. We all know there's four physical walls between us and the outside, but what other walls do we put up as a church that separate us from the world? I spoke to two different guys recently They were both looking for churches. And they both came, they saw Sunnybank. One says, nah, you guys are an Asian church. And the other says, nah, you guys are an Aussie church. What is it about us as a church that tells others that... You don't belong. You're excluded. We can even find these walls inside the church, between you, the guy next to you, between your group and the group next to you after the service, between congregations, life groups, ministries. I've been to church, this church, for 18 years now. And over the years, I have the same ongoing experience. Walking around after the service, sometimes... It just feels like a maze. There's walls everywhere. I walk around, a group of people, wall of separation. I move to the left, another wall of separation. Move to the right, another wall of separation. I hear newcomers who attend here for a couple of weeks, and then they say, I just don't feel like I belong. Some of them, I've heard they go for weeks, without anyone saying hi to them after the service. I know a couple who's been here for years and years, old timers here, and they've left recently for this exact reason. I don't feel like I belong. So what are what are the walls of separation that, that we put up, that our groups put up, that I put up, that you put up? Is it race, age, personalities? background, education, denominationalism, preferences, styles, interests. What is it? Remember that Christ has torn down all the walls of hostility, everything that separates people from himself. Jesus died. He died to tear down the walls. So when we build up walls, when we tell people that they aren't allowed here, either purposely or accidentally. That's actually anti-gospel. It's not what Jesus wants. John Stott says, it's offensive to Jesus. He destroyed these barriers that we put up. And he says also, it's offensive to the world. It stops them from believing in Jesus. God has made us one people in Christ. So let's practice this as a church in small and big ways. Go and talk to someone after the service that you wouldn't normally talk to. Look out for newcomers and show the peace that Christ is for us. Let's show that Christ is our peace in our ministries, how church looks here, and how we reach out to the community around us. We need to take down any walls of hostility that separate each other. My second challenge is, we need to celebrate the diversity in our church. Last night, I was a bit short on time, so I went out and bought a pizza. Silly me, I looked at the menu and I ordered the most appealing pizza that was cheap that I saw. Barbecue bacon. I mean, how can you go wrong with barbecue and bacon? How wrong I was. When I got home, I opened the box... And it was a disaster. The pizza had onions on it. I love food, but I hate onions. So I did what I normally do. I get out my fork out and I begin clearing out the weeds. <laughs> Luckily with pizza, it's okay to say I don't like you and get rid of stuff. But when it comes to church, to fellow Christians that we may not get along with, getting rid of them putting up walls of hostility, it's it's not an option. I said before, it's anti-gospel to build up walls that Christ tore down. So in church, in this new humanity, one people in Christ, we're going to be diverse, we're going to be different, we're going to be not the same. One big mixed bag. But one thing joins us together. And it's the one thing that we need to keep focusing on and celebrating. And that's the gospel. Christ has saved us. He's our peace. He's the reason why we can join together with God. I feel like God has given us here a snippet of what heaven will be like here at Sunnybank. We're working to be one church, English, Mandarin, Cantonese congregations. And sure, it's it's hard work. The language, the cultural barriers, they're tough to navigate through. But This diversity, it's really something to celebrate, to keep working hard for. We have so many opportunities to show right up front that Jesus is our peace, that Jesus brings us together, that we are one in Christ. And I just want to encourage and challenge you today. This is worth fighting for. This is worth working hard for. We can celebrate this diversity in many ways. Firstly, let's get to know our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ from the other services. It's not just 8.30, it's not just Mandarin Cantonese, there's 10.30 and 6.30 too. Trust me, they can all understand some English. And they would find it very encouraging if you just said hi. Maybe one day there'll be a morning tea or some time that we can fellowship together after the service. Just even a visual, a spatial oneness somewhere in the church on Sunday would be so encouraging. We don't need to wait for our special services to do this. And we might need to up our game a bit in our snacks because, trust me from experience, their food is pretty good. Another idea is to support their leaders. We have literal workhorses in David Wang and Pastor Alvin. And there are many other leaders. They all can speak English. They'd love you to pray for them, to connect with them, to even offer to help them in some way. And the last way is to keep celebrating this diversity, is to keep working at it. Working to keep the walls down, It's gospel work that we're engaged with. And look, I know it can be tough and it's going to continue to be hard work. But let me tell you, it's so worth it. We've got the Chin Burmese people here in the afternoons and we live in Sunnybank where the best Asian food is. So undoubtedly there'll be more Asians coming in. There'll be more Aussies from the community coming in. Even Kiwis seeing the light in more than one way. Look at Karabhi next door, going in Arabic, Hindi, and Greeks. Will we celebrate the diversity that God brings us here? Will we tear down the walls between them, coming to church here? Will we demonstrate that Christ is our peace? We need to celebrate the diversity that we have as a church. My last challenge for today, we need to look for peace through the lens of the cross. Our generation today, it's all about peace, world peace. And the world searches for peace in many ways. But we can search all that we want, try as hard as we can, and we won't find real peace. We can be nice and moral people, and that's great. We can give money to humanitarian efforts, and that's great also. We can even look to the UN and other organizations promoting peace. It's all helpful, but it doesn't really hit the spot. Here in this passage, Paul says, Christ himself is our peace. Peace between God and humanity. Peace between each other. If we as Christians, if we're searching for peace, if we really want to do something to encourage peace, We really need to be moved by the gospel, the peace that Christ is for us. We need to be so moved and so passionate about the gospel that we want to share it with others, to share this great news, Jesus is our peace. Any other effort to promote peace, however noble or nice it may be, it just falls short of the work of the gospel. Maybe you've been looking for peace with another person, with another group of people. You've been hurt. You have world views and stereotypes that you need to tear down. There's people that you just can't accept or get along with. You could look for peace in them, in yourself, in that general hope of change. And you're probably going to be Disappointed. The most certain place to find peace is through Jesus, through the saving message of the gospel, peace between God and us, peace between each other. For thousands of years, people have wondered about how to bring peace, real, lasting peace. And guess what? We have the answer. It's a classic Sunday school answer. It's Jesus. He himself is our peace. So let's look for peace in him, through the gospel, through the lens of the cross. And let's tell others about this peace that we have in Christ. So just to drive it home, God has made us one people in Christ. We Gentiles who were once far away, we were separated, excluded, foreign, with no hope. And without God at all. God has made us one people in Christ. Jesus tore down the barriers, the walls of hostility. Jew and Gentile, one in Christ. Followers of Jesus who are Australian, Englishman, Sudanese, Lebanese, German, Canadian, Jewish, Brazilian, Chinese, Italian, God has made us one in Christ. He is our peace. This is the power of the gospel at work. The God who once said, we didn't belong. He includes us, invites us, and he wants us to be part of his people. And as Paul would say, to the praise of his glory. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that Jesus is really our peace. We remember that once we were far away, without hope, without you, but through Christ, we are now part of your people, your household, part of the temple, our relationship with you restored. We thank you that Jesus has broken down the barriers between Jews and Gentiles, between all barriers, whether it be race, background, personalities, whatever it may be, that you've made us one people in Christ. Thank you that you save us the same way through the blood of your son, Jesus, that you work in us the same way through your spirit. Lord, as we come to a time of communion now, help us to reflect on and to be challenged by the peace that you've given us in Christ. Peace with you. Peace with each other. Help us to demonstrate, to live this out in our church, in our groups, and in our lives. And it's in the name of Jesus, the winner of our peace, that we pray. Amen.